Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker. And today I'm speaking to Ms. Kirsty Bashforth. It takes some time for a culture to shift. It's not an easy process. When we talk about shifting beliefs, values, practices, practices, yes, we can shift those quite quickly. Uh, beliefs and values, they, that takes some time, right? So I look forward to hearing what Kirsty has to say because picking up the mantle of changing a workplace culture is a commitment. Stay tuned. It's time for a sneak peek. When a CEO comes to you and says, Kirsty, I need you to change our culture. Our culture is not what it should be. We have these values on the wall and we're not living up to them. People, I, I can tell there is a disconnect. So what do you say to that? Try and help them think, what, what is it do you think the problem is? Because it's often not exactly what they think it is. It can be, for example, not truly recognizing the culture you have and hoping bits that you don't like aren't really there, but they are. Um, it can also be top leadership, anyone, any of us, not realizing the long shadow we create in the way we behave as leaders. Actually started uh, on the oil trading floor. But uh, after the um, tragic accident of the Macondo well in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010, the CEO asked me to work with him and the top team to take a look at BP's culture globally. And uh, together, we, over the next three to five years, reset the expectations and started embedding a more refined culture into, into BP's organization across the world, 80,000 people, 80 countries. Uh, and so that's what I did for five years. So yes, absolutely. That's where an awful lot of the practical tips I've, I've picked up have come from that work. And now on with the show. I'm Dr. Heather Walker, and this is Lead with Levity. I help leaders create awesome work environments where communication is light, enjoyable, and uplifting. I shed light on the power of levity at work. Imagine just how much you can get done in that kind of environment. Come explore with me. Everyone, uh, welcome. Welcome to the Lead with Levity podcast. This is Dr. Heather Walker. And today I have with me Kirsty Bashforth. Kirsty is coming to us from the United Kingdom. She has a master's in economics from the University of Cambridge. And she's developed a pretty long and successful career at BP as their chief of staff to the managing director, group head of organizational effectiveness. And she's also developed a pretty long list of organizations that she's worked with over the years, serving on their board, helping to drive direction for these organizations. And one thing that I really appreciate about Kirsty is her desire to manage change. She is a change management professional. Uh, she has also taken up the mantle of helping organizations improve their workplace culture. And for those of you who know anything about culture, it is not easy to change and it does not change quickly. So for her to, to do that, you know, it is a commitment. She is married to this thing. She's the founder and CEO of Key5 Limited, 
uh, where she is doing this work to help organizations improve their workplace culture. And she has a new book out called Culture Shift, where she shares some practical tips and strategies. And for those of you who are doing this work to improve your culture, I know you are interested in some practical tips and strategies. So Kirsty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heather. It's uh, really, really good to talk. Thank you. Can you describe the, the sort of companies that you typically help? Are they all in the UK? They're not all in the UK. And what I hope to do is advise companies sort of agnostic of the geographical culture, partly because my background is having worked in BP, I've worked in many different geographical cultures. Um, so typical traits would be, they would be a, a size of company over probably 250 to 500 employees, uh, where people are really grappling with this topic. They're not in touch with every member of staff anymore. And quite a few of them have been UK-based with international asset bases. But I've also been advising some companies that are absolutely not UK-based. Particular note, uh, I have a Japanese financial services organization uh, and a company based out of the UAE. I see. And when you were at BP, were you uh, responsible for helping them change their culture and improve their culture? Yeah, I started off at BP as a, a graduate out of university in 1991 and worked my way up a commercial track. I mean, I actually started uh, on the oil trading floor. But uh, after the um, tragic accident of the Macondo well in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010, the CEO asked me to work with him and the top team to take a look at BP's culture globally. And uh, together, we, over the next three to five years, reset the expectations and started embedding a more refined culture into, into BP's organization across the world, 80,000 people, 80 countries. Uh, and so that's what I did for five years. So yes, absolutely that's where an awful lot of the practical tips I've, I've picked up have come from that work. Wow, that is quite impressive. So when a CEO comes to you and says, Kirsty, I need you to change our culture. Our culture is not what it should be. We have these values on the wall and we're not living up to them. People, I, I can tell there is a disconnect. Mm. What do you say to that? I suppose the first the first thing I do is put the question back to them and ask them, have they really thought about what the problem truly is? You know, I often find the starting point for many who haven't thought about this topic much is it's either the wrong words on the wall, they think, or it's because they um, are struggling with something about our culture doesn't seem to, to help where we need to go as a company, but I, but I really try and help them think, what, what is it do you think the problem is? Because it's often not exactly what they think it is. It can be, for example, not truly recognizing the culture you have and hoping bits that you don't like aren't really there, but they are. Mm, um, right. It can also be top leadership, anyone, any of us, not realizing the long shadow we create in the way we behave as leaders. And so we can start off by assuming the problem is those people over there. But when I try to help leadership teams really work out, it actually often starts with us. So um, that's the first thing I do back to CEO. I go, really, help, me ex help explain to me what you think the problem is. And then I'll ask you lots of different questions. And over time, I, I typically find that by the time we've had those conversations, the problem is something mm. different. Did you follow a similar process at BP? 
Yes, and, and it's not as if I start out with a template. I think each situation is very unique, which is why asking the question up front really matters and almost wallowing in that a bit. That's, a lot of people want to get going instantly on, well, I know I want to think differently about this, but please come in and fix it for me in three months. Right. And I often spend three months working with them going, do you really understand what the issue is before you rush off or ask me to help you rush off fixing it? So it's, it, it, it's quite a nuanced situation. And I, and I never start with a, this is what we're going to do. This is what you need to do. And this is how long it'll take. Because each situation, each context, each CEO, each team, each crisis or planned disruption is very different. And, and I think it's, it's often all about the people. Uh, and I support them to shift their culture. I don't come in and do it for them. I, I don't agree with that approach. I think the only way a company can shift its culture is is all of its behavior shifts from the inside. And that, that's, a, that's a long process. Oh, yes. And when I get that question, I find that organizations typically approach it as a project. You know, what can we get done in six months? Or can we change this culture by next fiscal year? And when I tell them, well, you're looking at maybe five to 10 years because you have to change the hearts and minds of the people. You have to change what you believe in. You, you have to change a lot. You have to make sure that you're actually lining up with what you believe in, in terms of practice. So I, I guess my question to you is, how long does it typically take in your experience? And have you ever seen it take a year or less to shift a culture? And when it does, what does that look like? Is it, is it a small shift that needs to happen? Or is it a certain type of culture where, yes, we can make this quick shift really fast? You know, what do you see? So a number of questions there. Um... Sorry. <laughs> No, it's okay. Again, I think it starts with the unique situation. So I, I would never say it takes exactly this long to shift a culture because it depends how much needs shifting. Is this a tweak? Is this a, a major total overhaul? Um, and what's the starting point? Is it a crisis or a planned disruption? Or a culture might be on sort of low simmer, but you want to get it on healthy boil. So it's dialing things up. So it depends what the scale of the task is. The bottom line for me is a workplace culture is people's habits, behaviors, perceptions, assumptions that all add up to the way things are done around here. And a lot of it comes from the individuals. Uh, and, you know, we're all adults and we have choice. Uh, and it, it, it's not as simple as telling one of us to behave differently or to have a different habit. They emerge over time. And so I think the longer the legacy of your organization the longer people have had careers in that organization or even in other organizations, the harder those habits are to shift for any of us. So that can, that can impact the time it takes to shift a culture. Things can go quicker if a company is in complete crisis because people are willing to look at any topic and they're much more open to looking in the mirror. So you can start to move faster. But some rules of thumb I, I use are perhaps three cycles of any process. So if you're shifting the way you do performance management to, to embed your new cultural expectations, I would say it probably takes three cycles of that, whether that's done quarterly or annually, whatever, three cycles for that to, to properly shift. I advise people not to get seduced by quick wins. Quick wins are great. Uh, you know, people put out a new set of values and everybody puts them on their email signature. That's brilliant to show awareness and engagement. Doesn't actually show anybody's changed the way they work yet. So I, I'm always careful to advise people. Quick wins are excellent signals to get going. 
but they are not shifted habits. Um, so it's longer than you think, because if we think about our own individual experience, if we are trying to change a habit, you know, the rule of thumb again is 21 days to break a habit. But how do you form a new one uh, over time and make it part of just the way it is around here? So it, it, a number of factors, scale of the scale of the task, um, you know, depth of the shift, legacy of people's careers, legacy of the organization, scale of the organization. But rule of thumb, any process you're shifting three cycles, at least, I think. Sounds good. So your latest book mentions practical tips, Mm. practical tips for changing the culture. What are some of those top tips? Curious minds need to know. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, so many. And I would, of course, say read the book. Um, Right, right. But let me start with a few, few philosophical points. A top tip for me is how you approach this sort of work. So first thing to me is an effective workplace culture is one that aligns with your strategy. It is not just happy people. You might have a very disruptive strategy. Therefore, you probably need a disruptive culture. Align your strategy with your, your culture with your strategy. That's a first tip. The second one is if you're going to really have a long-term effective uh, work culture is treat culture as an equal partner with strategy. We have annual strategy reviews. We reset and relook our strategy every three to five years. We track performance versus our strategy. If you change that word to culture, how often do we do that in organizations? And yet strategies are delivered by people, whether it's people in services, people writing algorithms or people maintaining or designing machines. It's delivered by people. So why don't we treat culture as an equal partner with strategy? And the third big Uber tip I would have is the approach to shifting culture. I think about behavioral economics, that everybody's rationale, ambition, background, how they interpret data is all different. So just giving people one instruction and assuming because they all have the same data means they'll all do the same thing is, is how traditional economics works, but it's not how real culture shift works. That's behavioral economics. Understand where people are, go to where they are, find out what makes them tick and pull them forward rather than instructing them to do something different. So three big Uber, Uber habits, align culture with strategy, treat strategy and culture as equal partners, think behavioral economics, not traditional project management. And um, those are the three big ones. Then there's loads of tips which could be embedded in one big topic for me, which would be shift the system, not just focus on the behavior you want. If you shift the system to embrace and embed, whether it's processes, messages, habits, leadership effort, if you shift that system to embrace and embed and draw in those cultural expectations, and the system, therefore, is the boundary in which people work, mm-hmm. eventually the behavior that you want will come. But don't, it's a bit like, don't just put your foot on the accelerator of a car and expect that forever it will be faster. Uh, if you want the car to really go sustainably faster, you need to retune it. Right. Uh, you retune the system, not just tell people how to behave. Right, right. The grass is greener where you water it. Uh, correct. There's a, great, there's a great phrase that I've heard many a times is, um, the pig didn't get fat just because you waited every day. Oh, yes. I love it. I love it. To get an organization to change, to get, to get the organization to shift, people have to shift. Individuals have to shift. And we have to do everything that we can to make that transition a little bit smoother for them. And also understand that every single individual is going to be experiencing that change a little bit differently. They may have different levels of resistance to it. 
so looking at it as a as a project is only one lens and we definitely need to also consider what's going on with the people as well yes absolutely Absolutely. And, and I find whenever you're trying to shift a culture of, of many thousands of people, I mean, it's the same as small organizations, but it comes a bit more immediate when you've got a big organization is you'll, ne- you'll never get everybody as engaged as you'd like. Just sort of be realistic. There'll be people, I, I typically look at audiences and I thought of thirds. There's a third of people who tend to like change, are easily engaged, they like being engaged. And you can almost set them off running and they're your sort of, they're your own crowd. There's a third of people who typically are resistant to change, negative, quite skeptical. I've seen this before. We've tried it. I've been here. It's not going to happen. It'll, this too will pass. And then a third in the middle who are much more passive. You know, I'll, I'll get engaged in this if I see it's going to stick. And if somebody I really respect as a leader uh, is is moving that way and uh, sort of followers organizations. So I think you need to be really realistic and you'll never get everybody, but the group in the middle are probably the ones that are most critical because the third who are pretty much always quite pessimistic, you'll never move them all. And then I think another angle on, you know, how do you really shift big organizations is it depends on the operating model and ownership structure of the company. You know, you take, you take a Berkshire Hathaway, a holding company. You don't need a cohesive culture. It, it's not about that. It's about all of these different organizations you're bringing in to, to look at the balance sheet and create financial value that way, and they're all completely different. You look at the other end of the spectrum where you might have more of an Exxon or an Apple, and it's got to be the Exxon way or the Apple way right the way through the organization. And that's where the cohesion of the culture needs to be much more um, specific and disciplined. And then you've got companies in the middle that might be the Unilevers of the world, where you are working for Unilever, but Mm. you might be working on a certain brand. And so there's a spectrum of how far do you need to shift the cultures to be monolithic or not. Right, right. What would you say has been your biggest challenge when trying to work with different organizations? Do you know, it goes back to something you you asked at the start, Heather, which is, I think, building the trust and the rapport with the most senior person to have the honest conversation about what is the issue right now. And is it, is that team willing to look in the mirror and recognize how their behavior, their assumptions are impacting? So that's, that's one, one big challenge. And then the other one is to, to slow up before you start. As you said, you know, often people want, they say they want to think differently about culture, but they still then say, what can you do for me in three months? And, it, and it's adjusting that conversation to, to help people realize we've really got to go slow to get, to, get, to get moving. Because if we just pile off into the future and, and, and fast, it, it'll end up as a campaign, but it, it, it probably will, will remain superficial. So those two things, building the trust to have the real look in the mirror and slowing people up to get really clear on what is it we need to do. And that's, so it's the start that's the hardest. It's setting the start up right. I see. And I would completely agree with you there. I found that when you can take the time to meet with them and set out all of the expectations, make sure that, that you're level setting on that upfront, you're definitely going to have a better outcome as opposed to, all right, sure, I can help you. We'll just jump in. It'll be okay. (laughs) Uh, That, you know, sometimes that goes well and then sometimes uh, not so much. Yeah, I mean, there have been times when I have, and I've got a little bit in the book where I talk about an amicable divorce, where I've had to say to a, uh, a customer, 
a client, actually, you know, I, I, much as I'd love to, I can't help you anymore because the conversation, the way it's going means that while you say you want me to support and, and coach somebody in your organization to help you guys do this, actually, you just want me to fix it for you. And we can't break through that. And there's no point in you paying me to just go over and over this conversation. Um, and that's, that's tough. I think as, as doing this work with integrity, you have to try and take that approach. Have you ever worked with a leadership team that really surprised you in a good way? I know we've been talking about a lot of the negative stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, my experience having been part of BP for so long and then how we did work out how to do this and did it together and did it for a long time and that commitment and follow through was extraordinary, actually, and unbelievably rewarding in a very harrowing time. Uh, so that was deeply impressive, I think, for the, for the length of time, amount of commitment. You know, in an organization that is that is more engineering than it is organizational psychologists or marketers. <laughs> uh, having that sort of let just go with me um, was, was extraordinary that we did work in that way for so long. The second one, much more recently, is a, a company where I've been on the board in, in the Middle East. And as I arrived on the board, they'd done a culture audit. And they, it was a brilliant piece of work by one of those sort of big four professional services firms and a really good insight. But at the end of it, it had your typical, and here are the four work streams you need and the seven people you need in the team. And by six months time, if you've done this, you'll have a different culture and just follow all these actions and it'll be done. And I, and they asked me, they said, Kirsty, you've got this background. Could you just go and enact this for us? I said, look, stop. You've got a brilliant piece of insight to your culture. And that is what you need to focus on. Do you recognize it? How much of it is you? Stop doing this. We must rush off. And they really did listen and they really did stop. And then they spent six months and I, I coached the, the, actually the head of HR and he was leading it and they coached themselves and adjusted their values, which they are now starting to inculcate through the organization without a penny being or a cent being spent. Um, or a new person being put in place. And I, I hugely admire them for taking that approach to basically what they saw as stopping some work, but actually they've created a much better, much better outcome. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. And going back to what I said earlier, bless you for taking up the mantle because again, shifting culture, it's not easy work. It's not the easiest work to pick up. Uh, no, it, no, it isn't. And, and, you know, one of the things I said at the start was I'm often, it doesn't matter the, the geographic culture, you know, I'm sort of agnostic to, to the organizations I work with. I do find, however, that some of the more rich conversations I have about culture are when there are more geographic cultures in the room. And it comes back down to, you know, how we understand each other. The more geographic cultures that are in the room, I find the more time people take to try to understand what the other person is saying. Yes. And then we get to what's the problem we're trying to solve faster than when the vast majority of us are from the same geographical culture and we're using language that we assume we all understand. And I find that a really insight, interesting insight in, in business culture. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, I was about to close. So I, <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up truly, because that is a really good uh, part of it. I know that we have some listeners who are spread out internationally and even listeners here in the U.S. are, you know, it's a global economy. We're, we're trying to figure out how can we work really well together and incorporate different ideas and diversity of thought. So glad that you brought that up. 
Kirsty, is there anything uh, that you have on the horizon that you'd like to share or anything that, that we should look into? Um, well, the the exciting thing for me is the book was published in, in July in the UK, but it's out um, in October, as is the audiobook in the US. So uh, that's exciting. Um, I don't, I don't uh, know whether I'll be writing another one. Um, perhaps one thing I might want to do is is at some point write a book of interviewing those leaders who have tackled this and what their ups and downs and trials and tribulations have been from their own perspectives. Because I think getting a, an insight from those CEOs of how difficult it's been and their experience, I think could be quite practically helpful for people as well. That might be on the horizon. I would definitely like to check something like that out. Uh, so Kirsty, I, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your insights. For those of you who are interested in checking out her book, her website, all of that in the show notes. So please check that out so that you can get connected with Kirsty. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lead with Levity podcast. Go to www.leadwithlevity.com to access show notes and other resources. 